So uh, Padmanabha Swami, do you want to ask one of the questions from uh, the Spanish-speaking devotees? Well, thank you for that um, opportunity. Um, Chivas Talkor, of course, is a member of the Panchatattva, and um, he represents the prospect of the uh, Tatasta Shakti, the Jiva, like ourselves, um, to function in the spiritual world. Hmm? Um, that is the very kind of definition of Tatasta, neither here nor there, or here or there, I guess you could say, um, in terms of its uh, either here nor there unto itself, and either here or there, um, it can function on either side relative to the um, influence it comes under, that of the Sarup Shakti or that of the Maya Shakti. So it can function on either side. And the fact that it can function in the spiritual world in a way that uh, seamlessly corresponds with the eternal associates of Krishna who are essential um, in order for there to be a Krishna. In other words, in order for there to be a son of Yashoda, there has to be a Shoda. In order for there to be a lover of Radha, there has to be uh, a Radha. For there to be a friend of Subal, there has to be a Subal. So uh, that's a given, hmm? that if there's Rasa, there's Leela, hmm? then there have to be associates of, of, of Krishna that uh, uh, that function as the object, as the, the shelters Ashrayalam, the shelters of the love that he is the object of, and they have to be eternal. Hmm? So the question then, given that fact, theologically speaking, the question is, can we, who are Tatasta Shakti, and are not required in order for Krishna to be who he is, so to speak, in terms of the, the Leela, can we participate in that uh, realm? And if so, how does that how does that how does that work? Or how do we fit in, so to speak? And um, we know that there are Tatasta Jeevas in the, under the Maya Shakti. Here we, we find ourselves in such a, a condition. We know that it results in a material, psychophysiological, uh, you know, personhood, personality, and that it's it's uh, ephemeral. It's here today, and it's going to be gone. Uh, tomorrow. <clears throat> um, aside from that influence of the Maya Shakti, we exist, unless, but do we have a capacity to exist in that realm and function in that realm where Krishna and his associates um, play out their, their Leela? And so the person of Srivastakur in the Panchatattva exemplifies that uh, possibility that the Tatasta Jiva can function in the, uh, in the spiritual world seamlessly as an associate um, uh, of Krishna, as an eternal associate does, following in the bhav of, of, of one uh, 
such associate. <clears throat> That's one of the reasons that uh, also that there are said to be not only Nityabhada, eternally conditioned souls, there are some Nitya Siddha Jiva, Nitya Siddha Tatastas. So the, pos- the possibility that we can exist there as a Tatasta Jiva. Hmm. Um, and this is exemplified in one sense in the Panchatattva through uh, Srivastakur. Hmm. So that's a, he, he uh, is often um, coupled with in any glorification of him, uh, Srivasadi Gaur, Bhaktivrinda, the whole Srivast and the whole group hmm, of devotees. It means Adi Brinda the whole, et cetera, the whole group of bhaktas. So basically it's referring to to, um, entities like ourselves. And so he's very important to us and very encouraging. Um, And uh, and that said, Aside from a more basic um, tattva perspective, if we want to go to 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 rasa rasa tattva, um, then uh, often or repeatedly, I should say, um, unanimously, Shivastakur is identified with with Narada Muni. <clears throat> Narada Muni is uh, is uh, described in different ways. Sometimes as a, as a Tasta Jiva Sadhana Siddha, sometimes as a Nitya Siddha. In his commentary, Vishwana Chakrabhi Thakur, his commentary in the Bhagavatam describes him as a Nitya Siddha and a Sadhana Siddha. So what that means, <laughs> we can only make a reasonable conjecture, one of which would be that he's a Nitya Siddha, but he plays the role of a Sadhana Siddha, which is very clear in the Bhagavad discourse itself, where he, his previous life is described as having taken birth as a Gandharva, having um, offended the Sankirtan party, as a result, having had to take birth um, on earth and uh, without knowing who his father is, not the most auspicious uh, birth, but nonetheless, um, the positive effect of coming in touch with the Sankirtan was that uh, he got the association of the Bhakti Vedantas, as Prabhupada describes them, traveling uh, mendicant devotees who um, were hosted in his mother's home during the rainy season. There he heard the Bhagavad discourse, and what he heard rang very true to him after the departure of the devotees in the end of the rainy season when his mother was bitten by a snake and passed away. And so he turned the house into a funeral pyre and burned the house and walked off. In other words, one of the themes, obviously, that would have been repeatedly, um, would have repeatedly come up in the discourse of the Bhaktivedantas um, was the temporary nature of the world. All things must pass. 
um, and so on and so forth. So he saw it play out in a prominent way with the passing of his mother. He didn't have a father uh, that was uh, present or known. And so he followed their advice and he burned the whole house and himself became a mendicant. So the story goes. And of course, um, in this context, he um, had the darshan of Krishna and um, was at, at a stage which was like the penultimate stage of his spiritual progress, only to encourage him to go the distance and perfect himself. In that regard, in the Sandarvas of Jiva Goswami, um, Nard is given as an example of a, um, was it near Dutakashai? Uh, I can't remember the term. There's three types of Mahabhagwats he describes. Um, Sridhar Marsh gave an analogy that I think corresponds with this. One who has, one Mahabhagwat has two feet here, but his eyes are there. One has one foot here and extends another foot there. Another has two feet there and extends one here. Um, so Bhagavat Praptadeo, who has a spiritual body, is functioning in this world. Um, one who, like Sukadeva, like Nard, is a, again another way of describing Nard. He's here in a spiritual body. In the other end of the spectrum, with two feet here and his eyes there, he's described as having darshan in the penultimate stage of his progress and then getting a spiritual body and so forth. The, so Nard is an example of two types of Mahabhagwats on the lower end of the spectrum and the higher end of the spectrum in terms of descriptions of him throughout the, the sacred texts. And then Sukadeva is given as an example by Jiva Goswami of one who had one foot here and extended a foot there, um, so to speak. So anyway, Nard, who Shiva, Shiva Stakura is identified with is described in different ways. Uh, the Bhagavad also describes him in the first canto, third chapter as a type of incarnation. Hmm? Of, of Bhagavan. Sometimes he's referred to as by the term Bhagavan also. Um, so a paradigmatic figure. And um, I think that, uh, again, the prominent idea is a, is a uh, um, perfected one way or another uh, Tatasta Shakti and perhaps empowered um, like Avesh to give bhakti. Um, so uh, we know that Nard is a participant in the in Krishna Lila in Goloka, but primarily in, in Dwaraka. Hmm? He also came to Mathura and um, um, advised Kamsa in such a way that the Lila's progression would accelerate. Hmm? And he has, as that being an example of peculiar nature, that um, causes him to sometimes be referred to as a farcical Brahman. He acts a little bit out of characteristic of a Brahman at times. Um, however, uh, um, his participation in 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 Dwaraka 
and Mathura, which is more prominent, um, does not preclude his participation in the Braj Leela itself, where Jiva Goswami has explained that his source, the farcical Brahman of the Braj Leela, Madhu Mangal, plays such a prominent role. He's the, he's the Brahman Pujari in the house of Nanda Maharaj, an adopted son, so to speak, of Nanda Maharaj in Yasoda. He lives there. Um, um, and at, the idea, of course, is as Krishna expands himself into different leelas, uh, for example, the Mathura leela, the Dwarka leela, to uh, interact with devotees who have corresponding bhavas in those residences, uh, in those places. Um, so his associates in Braj also expand uh, with him. Mm-hmm. So Nard is the, in this sense, the expansion of Madhumangal, mm-hmm. which would be as Madhumangal, his Braj Leela representation. So I like to think of Shivastakur along these lines and um, as there is evidence from Jiva Goswami in his Gopal Champu, where he mentions this point, there is also evidence to support this um, identification of Shivastak with Madhu Mangal in, um, in Chaitanya Bhagwat and in, in Chaitanya Charitamrita. In Chaitanya Charitamrita, in, in, in Navadweep, um, I believe it's in Navadweep, but I have to, yeah, I believe. Yeah, Navadweep in the Adi Leela, um, at a point where Chaitanya Mahaprabhu enters into Krishna Bhav and calls for his flute. Where's my flute? Where's my flute? Hmm? Sri Vastagur answers as a close friend of Krishna and he says, It's been stolen by the gopis. Hmm? So that's not something he would say in Gopi Bhav. <laughs> Within the Bhav of Madhu Mangal, he would say, the gopis stole it. They, they're the ones, uh, and so forth. And then he serves uh, uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in the Bhav of Krishna by reminding him of the gopi leelas and so forth that Narmasakas like Madhu Mangal are, are familiar with. Of course, he's a Narmasaka, but he's a Brahman. So in that sense, he's not uh, someone to follow. You don't want to become a Brahman associate of Madhu Mangal, he has his Brahman assistant entourage hmm, in, in Braj, as Subal has his entourage, expansions, associates, Sridham, all of these paradigmatic figures in Sakuras, which is the subject when we talk about, about Madhu Mangal. But nonetheless, he is a, a very prominent uh, example of that Baba. We want to enter as an Abhira or as a Vaisha and Abhira in this caste, um, Vaisha with a little mixture of the Brahminical uh, influence, um, like Krishna himself. Um, but at any rate, uh, he, he's, he's a Vidusaka, he's a, he's a clown, he's a farcical Brahmin, obviously. He, in, in, in so many ways, Shivastakur's Madhu Mangal in the Braj Leela makes light of the Brahminical um, 
um, pride, if you will, that uh, within Varnashram, the Brahmins are subject to and is said to be a symptom of, of Kali Yuga. Um, so through his nature and, and, and whatnot, <laughs> I mean, he's a farcical Brahmin. He's a joke of a Brahmin, if, if you will. Um, and it plays a, plays a very prominent role in all of the Lila Grantas of the Goswamis. Um, uh, so uh, anyway, back to Gora Lila. Um, uh, when Chaitanya Mahaprabhu asked for his flute, then very much in the mood of Madhu Mangal, Shivastaka responds. Later in, in, in Jagannath Puri, again, um, during the Ratha Yatra, in the midst of that, when there is the uh, Hare Panchami festival and the goddess becomes upset with, with Jagannath and starts to play somewhat of a dominant, dominant role um, in the Leela, Mahaprabhu is relishing this and he asks or he sets up a debate between Srivastakur and uh, Surup Damodar. Subdominant taking the role of Vrindavan and, and uh, Shiva's Thakur in the Bhav of Narada taking up the role of, of Bhakuntha, hmm? where is which has greater opulence. And as Shiva's Thakur in the mode of Narada speaks about the, the, the glory and the overt opulence, if you will, of the goddess Lakshmi in Bhakuntha. On the other hand, Surabhadamadar is speaking about the uh, greater opulence in the form of the preem of Radhika, the gopis, and and the Braj Lila, that on its face may look less opulent, but in fact is, really that is where the greatest Aishvarya is shown in the Prakat Lila, the Brahma Vimohan Lila is an example. You can't show more opulence than that. When Krishna showed Narada that Narayans were emanating from him, from whom universes were emanating, manifesting Brahmas and Shivas and so forth. This all happened in, in the Braj Lila. So anyway, there's a debate. And and Shivastakur wins, excuse me, Sarupadamana wins, and Shivastakur places his hand under his arm like this and makes a noise that is typical of Madhu Mangal and cheers the victor, agreeing with him, having been put in an awkward position to defend the position of, 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 of Vaikuntha over uh, Braj, the latter of which he's more identified with uh, as Madhu Mangal. And he goes into the bhav of Madhu Mangal at that time, um, Chaitanya Bhagavat, we also find him um, in the home, in his home worshiping the deity of Nishringa, which Madhu Mangal is the deity, is, is the pujari for in the home of Nanda Maharaj in Vrindavan. And on one such occasion, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu comes to his, his door and knocks on the chambers of the deity and calls for Shivastakur to open the gate, the door, and he breaks the meditation of Shivastakur. Um, and 
he opens the door and there's Chaitanya Mahaprabhu standing and he, and he shows himself as Nasringa says, he who you are worshiping is, 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 is at your door standing before you, say something, some praise. And so he does and he, and he, and he praises Krishna in the Braj Leela, in his Seish Kumar Leela, in the Brahma Vimohan Leela, citing the beautiful description of, of Krishna given by Brahma a, at a time when Brahma, according to Vishnu Chakrabhita, was transitioning from Vaidhi Bhakti into, into Rag Bhakti, and that following in the wake or the footsteps of, of Krishna's coward friends. So there are a number of examples to support this idea. For some reason, um, Kavi Karnapur did not um, underscore that and simply identified him with, with, uh, with Narada. Other later uh, acharyas have commented along the lines uh, that I'm speaking in a, without such detail, but identifying him with with Madhu Mangal. And I think there's a, there's a there's a really really good as I'm making it um, case for that. And it's beautiful then to 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 think uh, that the the very entry place of the Navadvi Lila being the Kirtan Hall of um, Srivastakur is basically an outward or external expansion of the heart of the Thakur, who is Madhamangal himself. So there is the role of the Narmasaka in, in making available entrance into the um, Kirtan Rasa of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, where the highest ideals of Ujjwal Rasa and, and, and whatnot can be experienced. Hmm. So he's a very uh, important uh, figure and a very uh, exciting uh, <laughs> uh, figure when we play all these uh, these facts facts out. And we're very much uh, indebted to him and his contribution. Um, it's uh, again, significant uh, that we identify with him because he's a feature of the Panchatattva that corresponds with ourselves hmm? and our prospect. Hmm? Of course, our, our prospect is, 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 is represented in other ways, but in terms of identity. So we are Tatasta Shakti. We have this prospect hmm? for Sakiras, for Madhuviras in Braj, to live in the Paravyom and Shiva Stakur. Uh, very much exemplifies that. So we're fortunate to be able to think about him on an auspicious day like today. Thank you for asking. Shivastakwa ki jai, Shri Nardamuni ki jai, Nardamuni bajai vina, Radhika Ramana name, and Madhubangal ji ki jai. What else? Jai. Um, so I forgot to tell you that there are eight questions. Um, no. Or eight more questions. Um, okay, so the next question is from Agendra, and he's in the hospital right now, so he couldn't be on the call and ask. So, um, so I guess he'll just listen to the recording. So his question is: Well, we have a question now. Is he all right? I 
I don't, does anyone have any, I, he's, he's trying to get out from what I heard. That's just what I heard on Facebook, but I don't know exactly why he's in the hospital. Yeah, he had a pretty bad infection and uh, he's getting better though. He had a really bad fever and, and stuff, but uh, he's recovering pretty quickly. Okay, good. So what is his question? Um, yeah, his question is, um, how is it that Krishna's friends can still tease him even after seeing him defeat great demons like um, Trinavarta, Bakasura, and Agasura? How can they tease him? Uh, well, uh, the cowards think that they themselves were are capable of defeating those demons. Hmm? And they're right. <laughs> they're right. But by the arrangement of Leela Shakti, um, they defer to Krishna. And he is their leader because he's the son of the king of Braj, the king of the cowherds. So he should show himself as such, even though any one of them could do it, they think, um, him. And then they egg Raman also to, 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 to do um, such um, demon slaying, if you will, in the Prakat Lila, in the case of Dhanakasura, uh, they egged him on. And they um, praised him for his defeat of Perlumba, but they, they, they don't feel that um, they, they praise Krishna what he's done, well done, well done. Um, but you know they have the experience that despite the fact that Krishna could kill uh, Bakasur, Agasur, and so forth, it doesn't change that nothing changes. It doesn't change the fact that Sridham can defeat him in wrestling. So, you know, they, and any one of them feels they, they, they could as well uh, in any, on any given occasion, given the chance and they're right. So uh, they have every reason to praise him for the work. And, um, and if, if some thought should come in their mind of his, divinity, then it will be that, oh, he looks like he's some kind of a god. Hmm? And they'll think, that's cool. We're all gods. <laughs> We're all some kind of gods. Yeah, must be. Maybe maybe in our previous birth or something like that. So the very nature of Sakuras is, is, is Sama, a sense of equality um, with Krishna. They see him lifting Govardhan Hill. How can they, how can they then... Uh, um, tease him and uh, belittle him even um, well in, even in the midst of lifting Govan Hill they think he needs help right and they hold their own sticks up hmm, uh, to help him hoist the hill so such is the nature of their sense of equality with him it's not an absolute equality hmm, but a oneness in kind hmm, they're of the same kind Next question. Um, Pramanabhaswami, do you want to ask another question from the Spanish-speaking devotees? Right. Well, I think this is the simple way to do that is, is, is to differentiate between 
Vishnu slaying a demon in one of his other Leela avatars, like Varaha or Ram, um, Narasimha, and the Vishnu in Krishna uh, defeating a, a demon in, in Braj. Hmm? Or it may be outside of Braj in Mathura, where he's uh, dealt with Kamsa or in, in Dwarka. But it's still, uh, it, it, I would say there's a difference between Vishnu and a Vishnu avatar doing it and Vishnu composite within Swayam Bhagavan himself doing it. There, there, that has an extra added um, effect, if you will. So it's Krishna doing Vishnu, whatever Vishnu does is an aspect of himself. It's that aspect of himself. It's not a separate person that's doing it. Vishnu is an aspect of Krishna. So that aspect is within Krishna. Hmm? So we can say it's not Krishna that does it, it's Vishnu, but it may be more accurate to say it's not Krishna that, it's Krishna that does it, but it's his Vishnu aspect that does it. Hmm? Another question? Um, Eric, do you want to ask your question? Dandavats and good morning, Maharaj. Uh, Hare Krishna. Um, so my question uh, is regarding a passage I read somewhat recently in the 11th chapter of the fourth canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam. Uh, when Manu speaks to Dhruva Maharaj after Dhruva's fight with the Yakshas, from earlier passages, it seems apparent that Dhruva had already become self-realized after receiving the darshan of Vishnu in the forest. However, in the purport of verse 30, Srila Prabhupada says, but even though he was liberated, he was for the time being afflicted by the illusion of Maya, thinking himself the brother of Uttama in the bodily concept of life. So this, this was uh, confusing to me as I was under the impression that a self-realized or liberated person never falls back into Maya, or is the Maya spoken of here referring to yoga Maya or Sarup Shakti or, or something instead of worldly Maya? And also in relation to this later on in verse four of the following chapter, Srila Prabhupada also says, when the master of treasury addressed him as sinless, Dhruva Maharaj considering himself responsible for killing so many yakshas might have thought himself otherwise. Kavira, however, assured him that actually he had not killed any of the yakshas. Therefore, he was not at all sinful. He did his duty as a king as it was ordered by the laws of nature. So I found this passage to be even more confusing because now it appears that Srila Prabhupada is saying that Dhruva was sinless despite killing of the yakshas, which it seemed that he deemed in the earlier purport as being an action under the influence of Maya. So I was wondering if you could please clarify and harmonize this. Um, thank you. Well, I'll be brief on this. And I think that uh, it's suffice to say that paradigmatic figures like Dhruva um, or Arjuna in the Bhagavad Gita, uh, despite their status in standing in bhakti, at times uh, display uh, a nature that appears to be that of one conditioned by the influence of the Maya Shakti. Um, and through that uh, and such examples, the sacred texts like the Gita or the case of Arjuna or the Bhagavad and the many, many figures there um, 
like this, paradigmatic figures, uh, through them we, we learn something ourselves. Um, so uh, again, look at Arjun, he's a liberated person, uh, eternally liberated, and, um, and still he's suffering from delusion and appears in the Bhagavad Gita. So sometimes such um, arrangements are made by the Lord's internal energy. Hmm? Um, to use such persons and through them to teach something. Another question? Anjatatva, do you want to ask your question? Sure. Haribo Maharaj. Hari. Uh, I was reading in Brihabhavatamrita, uh, a really beautiful verse that came across. Uh, it was uh, regarding when Kopal Kumar was just coming back to the Prakat Lila and Krishna was coming forward with his entourage and uh, Sanatana Goswami describes the cows as mooing in the background to Krishna's flute and harmonizing with the flute. <laughs> it's so beautiful. And Gopakumar could just hear in the distance this murmuring with the cows and the flute and the flute and his heart melted and that was his first introduction and then the next verse brought Krishna further a little bit further towards Gopakumar and the description became more insightful and it specifically mentioned that Krishna's hair was decorated with the the uh, Vrindavan uh, dirt, if you will, kicked up into his face and Krishna was brushing the hair from the cows. And so it made me wonder, or wanted to ask you about the services that the cows perform, other than obviously just, you know, giving milk and pleasing Krishna in different ways. Um, and, and also the bhava, the sai bhava, I think I've asked you before and you told me it was Vatsalya, but it seems like they're going into Sakya Ras as well. They, they go <laughs> into the forest. So just. So what's your question precisely exactly? The, about the cows? About the cows, the service they perform, if there's any uh, other obvious services, and what the bhava is, the stai bhava is, the cows. Mm -hmm. Yeah, those are beautiful descriptions from Bhagavatamrita, Krishna's uh, associates. Um, in in the village are those who Gopakumar, as he enters into the Aprakat Leela, I think that's the section you're talking about, uh, are all waiting for Krishna to return. And uh, the, the, the dust of the, uh, of the herd, cows, um, is a signal, and of course, Krishna's flute, and it's harmonized with the mooing of the cows, and so forth. It has them all on the edge of their seats, waiting for him to uh, return. Now that his return is is imminent, and they've been waiting for it, of course, all day long. Um, and Krishna plays the Malara Raga, which is meant to bring about rain, but it, it, it brings tears um, and hearts melt, and cows. Um, let down milk and and so on and so forth. So it, it rains, 
in these uh, forms, expressions of prem. Um, and of course, there's a you know there's a there's there's three basic rasas. Well, there, there's there, there's more I guess in play, but uh, uh, you know there, there's the coward boys and Krishnas uh, and Krishna and Sakiras, and then there's the the elder elderly um, members of the village, but Saliras calling him back gopis of course calling him in a, in, a, in another way um calling him back but even if he comes back to the village that that's not going to work entirely for them in terms of wanting to have his uh, association so the, you contrast more the elders in the village waiting for his return which is now imminent against the, the cowards in sakuras and the pull of the of of the um, forest itself, in the form of all of its inhabitants, pulling there's a, there's a tension between these two extremes. In the middle of that is this sakuras going on between the gopas and and Krishna as they parade home. So the, the, the forest wants is losing him, and the village is 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 gaining him, and, and the cows. Now the, the difference between the cows. And the other inhabitants of the forest, there's a there's a likeness and there's a difference. They're animals like the deers and and other animals of the forest, but they're domesticated animals. So they have a closer direct connection with uh, with humans, and um, they are also an extension of the Vatsali Rasa. Um, so. For example, when Krishna is leaving to go to the forest, um, it's the cows that are taking him. And although Yasoda and Nanda have objections or they would like to restrain him and keep him home, that he has to go with his dharma and some extension of themselves in the form of the cows, Vatsalya, does go um, with him and they, in turn, bring him home. Hmm? Um, however, that said, um, these, um, these cows of Braj are a particular expression of Vatsalya Ras that has its fullest expression in human form. So if one wants to attain, for example, Vatsalya Ras, it would be in a, in a human form. Um, cows are, as a, as a, are like a partial extension of that. Um, it's possible that uh, those engage in the hungrapasana, self-worship, is a form of meditation when that's focused on braj. Vishwanath Chakratataku points out in his commentary on Ujval Nilamani, they can they can merge with cows hmm, in 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 braj. That's a different thing. But uh, otherwise, they're like I say, an extension of Vatsalyaras, and it, it's not a position to be attained. I want to be a cow. In, in Braj, those who, for example, pursue the Vatsalya Bhav in the um, Balabhasampradaya, it means to attain a human form there. So they are um, thought to be an extension of, of Vatsalya Rasa. Another question? 
Madhavaswamy, could you ask the, the last question from the Spanish speaking devotees? Well, I hurried up there. We have 15 minutes now for the last question. No, just, just from the Spanish speaking devotees, there are more oh. questions. Yeah. Okay. Well, generally, um, Shantarasa is not thought to be present in Braj. Uh, when Krishnas Kaviraj Goswami speaks about the benediction of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu giving the opportunity for Braj Bhakti to the world, he mentions the four bhavas, Charibhav, Dasya Sakya Vatsalya, and Madhurya. And um, Shantarasa is, is a couple of types of Shantarasa, but uh, characteristically, um, the object of that form of passive adoration, that form of love, is uh, focused on the Paramatma feature of the Absolute. So that would mean, uh, for example, 400 Narayan, it would manifest as in Vaikuntha. And uh, characteristically, those in Shantaras are not concerned with the leelas of Krishna or the qualities of Krishna, just the, the, the vision of the form of Krishna. Let's call it, to use a Catholic term, the beatific uh, vision. Mm -hmm. So it's a passive rasa. And uh, with regard to Madhurya rasa, it's in conflict uh, with, with Madhurya rasa. Um, those who are in Shantarasa, hmm, who might participate in Braj, would typically be Rishis, like say Durvas, hmm, comes to uh, to Braj, makes uh, an, an appearance there. Um, um, that said, um, in the Maybe the last verse of Bhaktivedanta Sindhu, the last verse or the last verse of one of the last chapters, I can't recall, does describe Krishna as a rasika rather than as, as rasa. As rasa, he's the object hmm, of love for all the different rasas. But also he is rasika, he's a taster of love. So... The, the devotees are the object of his love. So there's a, there's a beautiful verse there. Just like there's the verse in, in the Bhagavatam, it's famous, that describes how Krishna is the object of all forms of rasa. Um, and is seen in this way through, through different eyes subjectively when um, slaying Kamsa in Mathura. Gopa saw him this way, the Kamsa saw him as, as, as fear personified and so on and so forth. So all the different five primary and seven secondary rasas of, rasas of Rupa Goswami, all 12 of them, uh, Krishna is, is seen as the object of them. So that's a verse that's, that, that for, the Bhag, for the Bhagavatam that uh, stands as evidence for the idea that Krishna is Rasaraj. He's the object of Rasa for all the Rasas of, of Rupa Goswami. 
Uh, but the, the other verse I'm speaking about goes the other way and speaks of how he is a taster of all the rasas. Hmm? And um, the examples that are given, I believe, are all from Braj. And Jantaras is also mentioned there. So um, I forget exactly what he says. I mean, I think he just speaks about a certain temperament of Krishna. I don't have the text here to look it up. Uh, I do have the text here to look it up um, somewhere. Um, it would be be nice to perhaps pull it out. Give me a second. Um, and uh, so from that, we can draw that there is, opposed to despite what I've said, really, I think it's the end of the eighth chapter of the last wave. Soon enough, here without taking up too much time. Yeah. So, um, with regard to Shanta in the verse, well, through lifting Govardhan, he remained without pride in himself. Shanta. So he's tasting Shanta Rasa <laughs> in Braj. Hmm? Hmm? With the small children, he became eager to, eager to hold the mountain. He smiled, Hasya, Vatsalya. He spat at some smelling bad yogurt, Vibhatsa. He showed off his great strength, lifting the mountain for the benefit of his dear friends, Sakya, Vira. Vira means showing his heroic nature and so forth. He displayed red eyes, looking at Indra, Rodra, which is anger. He shed tears on seeing the suffering of the inhabitants of Raj from the rain and wind, karuna, means pity. Hmm? He trembled in fear before the elders, having destroyed the sacrifice of Indra, though he showed Dasya and Bhayankar, hmm? um, servitude and, and uh, fear. His eyes opened, or experienced them. His eyes opened wide with astonishment on seeing the torrents of rain, Adbuta, so wonder, astonishment. His hair stood on end when he saw the young girls. Madhurya, may the master, the lifter of Govardhan, protect you. So it's a nice verse. It seems to be an original verse of Arupa Goswami. It ends the eighth wave, which is the second to the last chapter of the whole text, the Bhaktivarasamrita Sindhu. And again, um, Goswami makes a comment, Amani prideless, prideless means that Krishna exhibited Shantaras in being devoid of pride at lifting Govardhan Hill. So he explains that rasa in that way. So Krishna is tasting Shanta rasa in Braj, but none of the um, inhabitants of Braj are described either as objects of his Shanta rasa or um, as uh, shelters of Shantaras. That said, um, Pujapatrita March may have made a comment like that. Bhakti Siddhanta Sarsli Thakur in some places made a, a comment like that, speaking of the inanimate objects of Braj in Shantaras. So they're entitled to different uh, perspectives. They may at times 
um, uh, see in that way or have cause to write about it in that way. But <clears throat> from the founding acharyas and the seminal texts like uh, the works of the Goswamis, Chaitanya Charitamrita, and so forth, uh, we find that Dasya Sakya Vatsali and Madhurya are the four rasas of of Braj. Hmm. And Shantaras is something that we're particularly not interested in. Hmm. Neither is it typically interested in what we're interested in. <laughs> so no problem there. Hmm. What else? Chitta? Let me see if I can unmute him. We might have lost him. Uh, wait, try talking now. I can't see him on the grid. I yeah. saw him earlier, but I don't see him now. Okay. Um, Sharda, do you want to ask your question? And then we'll go back to Chitta. Hi, Paul. I would like to ask a question about the definition of grace, especially in the context of receiving the grace of Lord Nityananda. That's your question? Yes. Um, well, I think that um, in bhakti, our progress is determined by two factors, grace and effort. And this is opposed comparatively to the other paths to transcendence, yoga and gyan, which are um, primarily, if not exclusively, effort-based. Mm -hmm. I think more so in, in gyan and in the gyan of, 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 of Shankar, which is prominent, Advaita, Vod. Um, so there's um, a emphasis on uh, effort and those are thought from our perspective, perspective to be ascending paths, whereas bhakti is a descending path, avaroha panta. So bhakti descends. We know that bhakti is constituted of Krishna's internal shakti. It's what makes his world of lila go around, it's what gives him, gives the absolute qualities, leelas, form, and so on and so forth. Um, um, and so when that influence makes ingress through sadhu sangha into our hearts, then we've received grace in the opportunity for, um, for bhakti. And without that, well, then um, you can't uh, get it by effort or earn it. 
so to speak. So it's a, ours is a descending path. Now our effort comes in, and I often like to say that we, our effort is very different than the effort in Gyan and yoga. We make an effort to get grace. Hmm? So, you know, this is an effort. You have to hold your hands up. You have to, you know, exercise your heart uh, and so forth um, and all your um, sincerity. So to increase your the dispensation of grace, to attract the uh, associates of Krishna, his Sarup Shakti, to bestow their 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 glance of benediction upon us. So that's a general um, idea uh, in brief of grace. Um, when it comes to Nityananda Prabhu, then it's not hard to get his grace. He's very, very uh, generous. So, for example, he said in the poems of Bhaktivinoda Thakur to have set up a marketplace in Navadvit, where he's selling the holy name only for the price of one's faith. Hmm? Um, so he's characteristically uh, very, he, well, he, he um, his contribution in one sense amongst the members of the Panchatattva um, in terms of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's dispensation is to, is to widely circulate it. He's responsible for the, what weight is responsible for his descent in one respect. Nityananda is responsible for the widest circulation and distribution of the dispensation. So he, he's really an extension of the grace of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu who took sannyas, for example, in order to uh, uh, facilitate his desire to distribute bhakti with that same um, um, method um, that he employed, taking sannyas, restricted him in some respects because as a sannyasi, he would be respected and so people would listen to him, good, but then there were places that he couldn't go Whereas if he did go there, they would disrespect him, places of ill repute. So he extended himself through Nityananda Prabhu to go to those places. Therefore, he told Nityananda to marry, and and Nityananda went to the most downtrodden people and so forth. So it's not hard to get the grace of Nityananda Prabhu. Um, you simply have to ask for it. Hmm? And if you don't ask for it, um, it's said that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu gave bhakti to whoever asked for it. Nityananda Prabhu gave it to those who didn't ask for it. And maybe those who didn't even want it. And objected to it, like Jagai and Madai. So famous examples in Navadweep. So um, you've chosen a, a good, an easy, an easy way, an easy person to focus on in terms of getting its grace. I mean, it really requires your sincerity of heart and appeal. Um, and if it's focused on on him as, as a generous benefactor, then it will certainly be fruitful in short um, short time. What else? Thank you. Thank you. Well, it doesn't Oh, okay. Chit is back. 
Do you want to ask your question, Chitta? Sure. Um, my question is has to do with uh, one of the young volunteers here and I were discussing God Monday, and he said he didn't accept or understand why an all-powerful being would require worship. And if you could speak to that. Well, I don't think that he requires worship, but I think that let me give you an example. Ask your friend there to go with you or ask him to remember if he's ever been to a place on earth that has that is, is a very powerful manifestation of nature that is awe-inspiring and beautiful. Like here, uh, as you know, if you ride from Audari to the coast, to elk, you get there and there's the cliffs and the Pacific Ocean, it's very uh, awe-inspiring. Or if you walk in the forest of uh, redwoods where there are trees big enough to build a house in, uh, you're displaced from your unthinking kind of way of seeing your, functioning as if you're the object around which everything is functioning. People don't necessarily think like that, but they function like that. So you see a powerful, you come in touch with a powerful manifestation of nature that's very beautiful and also awe-inspiring. It creates within you a, a venerable type of attitude. Naturally, it, it just happens. Because of the nature of that powerful manifestation of nature, its beauty, its wonder, its expanse, its in, the inability to, in your mind for it to, to, to fit it within. It just doesn't fit within your, between your ears. It's too big for that. And so there's a, just a natural tendency to, to have regard for it. It's not asking for it. It's just the way it is. Hmm? It's the way it is. And it, it does that to us. Now, if you were to take, and Krishna mentions in the Gita in the 10th chapter, amongst bodies of water, I am the ocean. Amongst trees in California, I am the redwoods, and so forth, um, to extend that. This is what he's saying. Hmm? So if you put all this together, what it means is, if you were to take all of the, the Grand Canyon, the, I don't know, I'm, I'm from the United States, give me, so the Amazon, you know, I mean, wow, I flew over the Amazon on my way to Brazil last, last year or the year before, it was just fascinating. Um, you know, the, whatever it might be. These, if you were to take all these powerful manifestations of nature that just by, by their very, just being what they are, draw out from us a, 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 a reverential, uh, attitude, and you put them all together, hmm? and then you multiply that a million fold. That is the that is that is the. You get some idea what Krishna looks like. I mean, just beyond work. That you could just try to put it together. Now, how you will feel if you if you if you come in His presence, in the presence of God. Hmm? Um, um, he, he's not like demanding you should worship me, but he's commanding 
just by the very nature of who he is and who we are, who, how small we are in, in comparison. And the fact that he will bring us close to him. This is Krishna. Not to be worshipped. Krishna, that manifestation of the Godhead, the fountainhead, of, is, is particularly not asking to be worshipped. He says, you know, this worship is boring. People do that, but it, it doesn't, it doesn't it create some distance between themselves and me. I want them closer. That's what the Brajlila is. Of course, you know, that's a step to take your, 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 your friend. That's, 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 a, that's a greater, greater distance. But uh, again, I think that this is a good example that I've given to say just the very nature of God is that his greatness and our smallness foster this naturally. Hmm? Does that help? Yeah, yeah, that works. You can say that uh, God doesn't require a temple would be another example. That's true. But we do. Hmm? If, if you can't see God everywhere, then make a temple say he's here and then focus your worship there in that place. And then eventually you'll see he's everywhere. And then you will be, have a kind of reverence towards every manifestation of nature, even by seeing it as, as his, his Shakti in relation to him. I mean, just the, the play of the material world is, is fascinating, even for the atheist who, who looks into it. You know, for for example, through through science, it's just like fascinating. And they say, "Why do I need God?" And you could say, "Yeah, you you don't." But that is God. <laughs> that is God. From our point of view, that's a, that's a that's one of his shaktis. So you're okay. You know, we we worship him in a different form. You're revering him for his what what he's doing there. So there's 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 no there's no atheist really. So, all right, I think we've answered a good number of questions. I don't know if we got to all of them today, but a little over time. So, you did. You got to all of them. Okay, well, uh, I'm doing better. Thank you all for your time, and I hope to be with you again next week. Thank you. Hare Krishna. Forward Bhakti Vrinda Ki Jai. Ribo. Archana, do you have any announcements, or were, were you good? Um, I don't, okay. No, no, I don't think so. Okay, um, well, I'm going to take that as a no. Thank okay. you, everyone. Sorry, Bo. Sorry, Bo.